Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. What I, what I want to speak about today is I want to kick off, you may not know this, but we're going to be kicking off a new series uh, called Kingdom Keys, Kingdom Keys. And it's going to be a four-week series. It's going to take us for the next month or well, four weeks. But I want to particularly look at kingdom culture uh, or, or what it is to operate and live the kingdom lifestyle. You see, when I've just mentioned to you just a few moments ago about what happened yesterday, is something that I would have never, ever done many years ago. Uh, to go and talk to someone about Jesus on the streets or even pr- dare to even pray for them and to believe that God can heal uh, in the way that I do today. And that is not because I've just read a book and thought I'm going to try and do this, but it's all about kingdom lifestyle. And Jesus spoke many, many times throughout the Bible. You'll read it in the Gospels. He spoke about the kingdom. He says to the, he said to his disciples, go and preach that the kingdom of God is near. He didn't say go and attract them and tell them and do all these things. He says, tell them the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is so important for us to understand what that is and and kind of what it is to live that lifestyle. And I want us to look in these next four weeks, we're going to look at some of the aspects of that. But I just wanted to look at, first of all, what Jesus says about the kingdom in some of the parables. So Matthew thirteen forty four, he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven 31 times in the book of Matthew alone. And sometimes we hear, when we hear about the kingdom of heaven, interchangeably we hear about the kingdom of God. If you look at it, it's actually the same thing. At the time, many of uh, the people didn't use the kingdom of God because it was such a a big thing to use the name of God. So it's a kingdom of heaven, but it's effectively the same thing. So Jesus talks about two instances there. There's many others, parables, where he talks about the kingdom. But what he describes here is unbelievable because he's describing something that is of so great value that someone who finds this treasure... He, rec- he refers to the field, he, who finds this treasure, would sell everything they have to buy the whole field. I think it's amazing when you look at this and you look at the value of the kingdom. I'm beginning in the last few years to realize the value of the kingdom of God. I don't understand it fully yet, but I'm beginning to see a great value in what it is and recognizing and seeing that. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus is with Peter. And he's talking, he's having a conversation with Peter. And he says, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And he says that you're the Messiah. And he says that it's not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. 
But he says this, he says, when he's recognized who Jesus is, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When Peter recognized who Jesus was, immediately Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys. And I believe that so many of us here, we may know to some degree of who Jesus is. He is our first love. He has saved us. But we've not fully grasped yet what's available and what's on offer as children of God. And I want to talk in this series and kick off today looking at what it is. What what's some of the key things in the kingdom of God? The first week I want to look at is in part one is insight. I believe that when we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us supernatural insight. I don't know if you agree or do you just see what you see every single day and you, you see around you and you accept what you see, but I'm beginning to learn more and more that God wants to give every believer supernatural insight. That's not, I'm not just talking about prophecy. I'm not talking about a gift of prophecy, which is good. And he wants to give you that. That's, that's kind of looking in, you know, kind of giving someone a prophecy and him revealing something that's above and beyond the natural. I saw somebody said the other day on, on Twitter, I think it was that God is not supernatural. In fact, it's quite natural for him to be supernatural, which is quite true. We operate supernaturally, but for him, it's normal. He is supernatural. But I want to say that when you come into the kingdom, when you receive, when Jesus says, go and preach that the kingdom of God's near, he's talking, Jesus is talking about the fact that when we receive him, you are not just getting a contract where you're saved for when the day comes, the day of the Lord comes and we go to heaven. He's saying you are getting the privileges of the kingdom of God. Now, you might be here this morning thinking, well, I'm pretty poor or I'm, I'm, I'm not, I haven't got, I, I need this or I need that and I, I could do with this or I could do that. Let me tell you, you, if you are a believer in Jesus this morning in this room, you're one of the richest people on this planet. You might not believe it, but you are the richest person. Because some of us, we look at the, the things we have in our bank accounts and we associate that with our standing with God sometimes. When God gives me more money and I'm blessed and, you know, we love the blessing uh, preaching, don't we? But And it is good. God wants to bless his children. But let me tell you this. You are the richest person. We're going to look at what Paul says about what I believe is kingdom. He talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is uh, imprisoned in Rome. And he's writing this bit we're going to read now. He's writing it to believers in Ephesus where he's been on his missionary journeys. He's writing to believers just like you. He's not writing to someone to say, oh, by the way, if you get saved, if you come to this evangelistic meeting and get saved and you accept Jesus, these are all the benefits. He's saying to people in a church he's been to before, he's telling them, listen, I want you to grasp what I'm about to tell you. I'm in prison and yeah, my life's pretty poor. My bank account's pretty poor because I'm in prison and I'm going to tell you that even though it looks, my life looks pretty shady, 
I'm going to tell you that there is something above and beyond because I've understood what kingdom life is. And this is what he says, Ephesians 3 verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Verse 10, his intent, that's God, was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Well, we know who they are. They are, that's the demonic realm. He says here, verse 10, he's given the church the job to do to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. That we would make it known to these rulers and authorities. Verse 11. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. Then he prays. He says a prayer. Verse 14. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. What have we heard this morning already through words about him strengthening us? He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, says Paul, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Wow. Do I need to preach anymore? Paul said it all. Wow. Did you ever read that last line? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I know I want to be. I think that's amazing. Right now in this room, the presence of God is here. God is speaking to people, but he wants you to know that you can be filled with the full measure. Paul describes here boundless riches he's discovered. He describes a hidden mystery unveiled that's been hidden for ages, he says. So one thing he sees is riches. He says that there is boundless riches I want to talk about. And he says another thing, he says, there's a mystery that's been unveiled to the children of God. A great mystery hidden through ages that even the prophets in the Old Testament couldn't see. Listen to me. You today are favoured in the fact that you are seeing things that the prophets would have longed to see. And some of us sometimes thinking, I wish I lived in the Old Testament. I wish I lived when this was happening. Listen, the prophets were talking about today. You are living it. 
And so many of us are discouraged that we, we wish God would do something special. Listen, he is because he sent his son. And right now in this room, for some strange reason, from all of us in this room, have been brought from across the world and we find ourselves in this room simply because of Jesus Christ. We're here because of Jesus, no other reason. Would you choose to be with me on Sunday? Probably not. You know, would you really want to be? Some of us, we find ourselves drawn together. And it's because Jesus, it's because of him. And the prophets would have loved to have seen. One meeting, one prayer meeting. Oh, they'd have been at the worship service this evening to see the body of Christ. This mystery unveiled that they prophesied and spoke of one to come that would bring all people together and would reach the Gentile nations and bring everyone together. Oh, they'd long to see it. Well, we're part of it. So if you don't think you're rich, you are. You are so rich today because you're part of this big story, the big scene. Paul was writing this to the church as a prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Notice this, that Paul never said he was a prisoner of Rome. He never talked about, even though he was, practically, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Listen, Paul at any time could have said, listen, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to stop the whole Jesus thing. It's getting me into a lot of trouble. I'm just going to stop this. But do you know what he says? He writes to his people and says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Not, I'm locked up and, you know, he's a prisoner of Christ. He sees that what he's doing is so worth it, he has bought the whole field. He sees it's so worth it to have the whole thing. He's saying, listen, Ephesus, get this. I know you're looking at me thinking I'm suffering, you're worrying and probably having a lot of prayer meetings about me. But listen, this is your glory. This is your glory that I'm suffering. Because I'm telling you, I could step down from this. So could Jesus. He could have stepped down and not took the cup. But he did it for the church. He did it so that Jesus could restore us and bring us to him. In reconciliation, thank you Jesus. Paul recognized that it was worth it to live for the gospel, to live for the kingdom lifestyle that Jesus talked about. He knew what it was, he knew what it was to be, to have things and to not have things, Paul. He was content, the Bible says. He knew because he had a rich, a rich A richness that was above and beyond what the world had to offer. Number one today, we need to recognize these riches. Recognize God's riches that are available in the kingdom of God. This is a key. When he said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys, he bought him the keys. I remember the first time we got our house and we went and picked up the keys from the estate agents. Boy, did I feel so special when we got the keys. And I'm thinking, this is so special, walking into the house for the first time, thinking, we own this house. Well, we didn't really. The HSBC bank did. We just got to pay them back. Don't you feel like you own something when you don't own anything, really? In one moment, it can be gone. And there we were with the keys and we're excited. We've been given these keys. Listen to me. Jesus is saying to you, listen, it's not just about your salvation. Children of God, I'm giving you some keys. You can go and explore the rooms of your house because I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And you'll find in my kingdom there is boundless riches. And these are not the riches that are sometimes preached on God TV about. That supernatural money is going to appear in your account. This is all good and well. But listen, I prefer to have the boundless riches of Christ that see the cripple walk. 
I, I prefer to see the boundless riches that see the people who are the lowest of the low brought to found Jesus more than I do to find that I've got 10,000 pounds deposited to my account and I don't know how it got there. Listen, I'm not putting that down. God can bless who he wants to bless. But our focus should not be on this. And our focus should be on the boundless riches of Christ. And his intent is that we reach the lost with the message of Jesus Christ. Where am I? Ephesians 3 verse 7. We read it earlier. It says, I became a servant, says Paul, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less from the least of all Lord's, all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches. Do you know what boundless means if you look it up? It means unlimited or immense. Unlimited or immense. We were, just a few weeks ago, we were sat around the pool in Greece and I promised them I'm not going to read any emails or try to go online. Because when you go abroad, the first thing that happens is you lose your connection to the internet. Boy, oh boy, I realized how much I needed the internet. I got off the plane, I'm like, this is a beautiful... There's no 3G. You know, and you realize what you're lacking. And then straight away, the phone company starts sending me text messages saying, you're missing your internet? You know, you're missing it? Then you're like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that. And then a few days in, yeah, I am. And then they're sending offers. If you want, you can buy one day. One day of internet use for this amount of money. And I kept putting it aside and not looking at the text. Then one day, the internet connections were so bad around there, I thought, I'm going to have to buy one of these things. And Emma says, you're not buying one. I said, I just need to check a few things. So I buy one of these things. It didn't last me two minutes. I thought I'd make it last the whole day. They had a limit on it. Then I started getting text messages saying, you're running out. And I'm thinking, how much, this is not much, it made me realize what I had in England. And how much it cost to buy this stuff and how much they try to market this. And so we, we were finding ourselves, if we wanted to get a connection, we're standing by restaurants who were giving free Wi-Fi trying to get a signal. I knew where all the restaurants were. I could walk around and get all the signals. But listen, the boundless riches of Christ are unlimited and immense. Unlimited and immense. I love it when you ring up for the deals and they say, yes, sir, you get unlimited data. Whew. You don't have to worry anything, do you? You don't have to worry about when it's going to cut out because it's unlimited. I can do whatever I want. When I was there, I knew what it was to be restricted. But listen, for you today, it's unlimited. It does not run out or expire. The contract is unlimited. It's forever. But none of us see it sometimes. We're looking sometimes at, oh, the, this is happening. This is happening. Listen, the riches, if you start to get hold of it, the riches that you have in God is amazing. It's amazing. Some of us think we're poor and we're gauging our wealth. We're gauging our standard and our standing with God because of what the bank account tells us. And we're saying, God, when you sort the bank account out, then I'll serve you. Then I'll know that my riches in you are great. But God is saying to us today, seek ye first the kingdom. Listen, stop trying to get your bank account full. Seek first my kingdom. All these things will be added to you. None of us get it though. None of us get it because a lot of us are looking saying, I'm going to wait till this is right. Then I know that he is God. He says, trust me, I'm God. Then I'll give you the things you need. Wouldn't we all like a bit more money? Proverbs 15, 6. The writer says, The house of the righteous contains great treasure. 
<laughs> Great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. The income of the wicked brings ruin. I've seen, I've seen some of the wicked people seem to be gaining more than I've got sometimes. I'm thinking, why, Lord? You know, why? Because it's not talking about riches. It's not talking about treasures that we're looking at in the natural. It's talking about the treasures of the righteous. Because in Christ we have treasures. Amen. Later in Ephesians 3.16, Paul prays this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's Christ, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When we, when people came forward early and we responded, and I believe God, none of the guys know what I'm preaching on. None of the guys knew today what I'm preaching on. And I, I was astounded when messages were coming of what God is saying that he, is strength, he wants to strengthen us. And I really believe that he wants to say to people today that his riches are that he has the ability in his storehouses to just continually by his spirit strengthen you when you feel like you're at your lowest. That's worth more than any money you will ever get. Because the world cannot offer it. Jesus is our salvation. When I talked about earlier that they find this treasure in the field that Jesus says it's like a man who finds the treasure. He finds it, then he he says, he, he hides it, then he goes away and he says, I want to buy the whole field. I want the whole thing. Because he knows what's in there. Listen, some of you have found Jesus, you've discovered him, he is your salvation. In other words, salvation meaning he has set you free. He's reconciled you back to the Father. Some of you have found that beautiful relationship. But listen to me, I want to tell you something. When the man in the parable found the treasure in the field and he says he hid it, listen to me, he buys the whole field for one reason I believe. Because I think God wants us to just to not just focus on that moment of salvation, but to explore the field. He wants you to see that there's actually more. There is more around you. There's so many of us, we're just looking at the salvation point and we're not getting any further. I think it's in Hebrews, it talks about that we shouldn't just keep on going around the elementary teachings of Christ, the the, the beginning things, we should move on. There's so much more than milk. There's meat. And I've said it before that in John chapter 4, Jesus said when his disciples came back to the well and they'd had some food, he said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Some of us need to do what it says in Hebrews. We need to move on from the elementary teachings of Christ. Move on and start to see that there's so much more on offer in the riches, in the field that you've bought. <laughs> to buy a whole field costs a lot, doesn't it? It costs us a lot. It's going to cost you to buy the whole field. It's going to cost you more. And for you to live the kingdom lifestyle and start taking some of these riches, drawing down from heaven what's available to you. It's a free download. It's a free, you can have it whenever you want if you trust God and obey his word. The miracles we're seeing at the moment, nothing to do with anything we've got. Other than we trust God and we say, listen, your riches allow us to draw from heaven's account and say, some of the people I've met this week, I said, this illness that you have is not in the kingdom of God. Therefore, I'm going to draw from the kingdom and say, you, we, we command this illness to go. The treasures we have available are unlimited. Hallelujah. The riches that Jesus bought for you and for me. Let me tell you one of the key things. When Jesus said in the book of John, 
He said, when I need to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Okay? He said, I need to leave because the Holy Ghost needs to come, the gift. I think it's amazing that Jesus has to leave, but then we experience the Spirit. What is the Spirit? What is the Spirit given to us? The Spirit is releasing these riches. He releases them. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 5, Jesus said, and listen, when he came back as the resurrected Christ to his followers. So now they've kind of had salvation. They're saying, wow, we believe in you, Jesus. We see you resurrected before you're about to leave. He's now, he's risen from the dead. Salvation has occurred for them. They've, they're putting their trust in Christ. But he says, listen, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for a gift. In other words, focus on me, but I've, because of what I've done, because of the treasure in the field, it's enabled you to experience the whole field. There's so much more for you to go and experience. And you've got to go and do this. You've got to go and be, be the church through the power of the Holy Ghost. He says, wait for the gift. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 13 to 15. He says this about the Holy Ghost. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what, sorry, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive, that's the Holy Spirit, what he, the Holy Spirit, will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father, said Jesus, is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. In other words, Jesus says, everything of the Father's is mine. The kingdom. Everything that the Father has now is mine because of what I've done. I purchased it. I purchased you, but I purchased everything. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said. He says, I have everything. But listen to this. It gets better. He doesn't say, I've got everything, so bye. I'm going, and I'll see you when I return. He says, I'm going, and the Holy Ghost that's going to come in Jerusalem is going to reveal and release to you what I have. In other words, you're getting it. It's for you now. Because I'm going, so you're staying. You need what I have. And I've bought it for you. Yes, I've purchased your salvation and reconciled you back to me. But actually, I've also given you an extra gift. And if you understand this, everything the Father has is mine. Actually, now it's yours. In other words, do you understand the riches you have today is that everything that the Father has is yours. That's love. That is true love. That he would trust us with that. I think it's amazing. So many of us, we just accept the salvation and we don't really explore anything else. Many years ago when I came as a student here, I remember many banks were offering. Many banks were offering, you know, you can have a free hundred pound or whatever it was deposit in your account if you sign up with us. And I, and I'm like, wow, this is good. And so a lot of the students were trying to plan how we could get the hundred pound and then leave it a few months and then shift accounts and get another hundred pounds. It wasn't me. But, you know, trying to make money in this way, you know, that's what you have to do when you're a student. And they were trying to do these things. And, but I realized when I accepted and I signed up to one of the banks, 
that I got the money, went in, I thought, wow, this is good. I really felt the, the bank loved me. They were really helping me. Now I realize that interest rates are so much higher. That hundred pound is so insignificant in relation. Boy, oh boy. And I remember at the time getting this, and I remember as the, the years went on and we moved into getting a house and stuff, we bought the house. I remember that when I went, I rung up the bank one day, they said, do you realize you have free travel insurance? I was about to buy travel insurance. And I realized that I'd never asked the question. I'd never asked the bank, what does this package as a graduate give me? And they said, oh, you get free travel insurance. They could have told me that, couldn't they? They didn't tell me that I had this. And so many of us don't realize that you have an account in heaven, the kingdom account, that you've got no idea because you don't ask and explore what's available. And there's some packages available that you've not even looked at. Because you're so concentrated on what happened at the cross. The cross is the reason why you have these things. It's not that we dismiss the cross. Jesus purchased it for you. To live the life to strengthen you. Jesus said that we will do greater works than him. I mean, come on. Some of us are thinking, well, if I do greater works, then I'm more important than Jesus. If he's going to give me these riches to do these things, then I'm more important than Jesus. How can that be? Jesus in his love says, I'm giving you what the Father gives me because it's important you have this to bring people to know me. He wants to give it to you. So many people I've seen, people argue saying, well, when he says the greater works, does he mean greater in number? Some people you meet, they'll argue this. They'll say, does he mean that he'll do, we'll do greater in number? In other words, that when he's gone because of time that's gone by, the 2,000 years that have passed, yes, of course we're going to have done more than Jesus because over time there's been lots more happened. So he couldn't do as much in his three years of ministry. But listen, greater in Greek is the word mitzon. And it means quality rather than quantity. Quality. In other words, Jesus says, you're going to do some better quality miracles than I'm going to do. (laughs) Come on, believe it. Because do you know why he says this? Because it's not about miracles. It's about him. The reason why he says you're going to do better quality miracles, he says, because your faith shouldn't be miracles. Do these to draw me, draw them to the most important, and that is me, says Jesus. It's the only reason he's given you them. The riches we have. Number two today, recognize God's mystery. Recognize God's mystery. Ephesians 3 verse 9, Paul says, This grace was given me to also make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent, that's God's, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly, heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul describes here a mystery that has been revealed to him. And he's saying, listen guys, Ephesus, get this one. Put this in your church news. Do you know that you have, you have been discovered the greatest mystery that the world wants to know the answer to? He talks about a mystery here that has been kept hidden. And he says that God created all things here. 
And he talks about this mystery that's hidden. Listen to me. Do you know when we start to live the kingdom lifestyle? And yesterday when I was doing some of the things and seeing God move, do you know what? It, it shakes the dark, the dark um, realms and authorities and powers. It shakes them when they see this. Because what we're doing is we're revealing the mystery. You have to reveal the mystery. In fact, Paul says that he says here, it was, it was God's intent, verse 10, that now through the church, through the church, that you will reveal the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, it's the church's responsibility to reveal the mystery of God. That is Jesus. It's your responsibility to reveal the mystery. And do you know, I find that so many times that when I meet people that today in this day and hour, that people have got no idea. They're searching for the answers of life. Where did life come from? I was looking the other day, Jacob was reading a book and it was about uh, evolution. And he was reading this book, it was one of his books, and I looked at it. And, I, and do you know what, I nearly stopped him and thought, I'm not going to let you read this. And I thought, no, no, that's not, that's not the right thing to do. I'll let you read it. I'm going to tell you the real thing. So I let him read it. But I said, before you read it, I'm going to tell you this. I said, some people believe that everything happened by accident. And there was a big explosion. And then it all happened. And then we just appeared. I says, and that's, you're fine in your life. Some people believe that. That they believe this. And he turned around to me and says, I said, but some people believe in God that he created it. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, well, I don't believe that. I said, what? He said, I believe in God. Listen, I'm telling you today, there are people out there that, begin it, that, that believe in this Darwin theory that is just a theory. They believe that it all began from an explosion. I want to ask the question, well, what was there before the explosion? Because there has to be something there. You cannot not have nothing that makes nothing. Or something, should I say. And so many people today want to know the mystery of why we're here. If you look around you today and you, and you really take in what you can see around you. I see today amazing people in front of me that are creations that it says that our human eyes are better than any computer that the world can make. You tell me you came here by accident. Boy, oh boy, where you get that from, I don't know. Where is the proof in that? It takes faith to believe. But I'm telling you that people today do not understand and it's our duty as the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God, which is Christ, to reveal it to people, the mystery. Listen, you have riches in your account, but do you know something? And I'm, I'm, listen to me very clearly. You today, if you're a believer in Jesus, do you realize that God has entrusted to you the greatest mystery of the world? He said, I'm going to tell you behind the scenes what's been hidden. But it only gets seen by those who have faith. And I believe, I think it's amazing that right now in this room, God is saying to you and me that he has given us this mystery. He's whispered it in the ears of the disciples. It's gone through. Those, some can't see it and can't hear it. Their hearts are closed. But today he's given and revealed that mystery of creation. I want to tell you something. The other day I was watching a program on TV. It was on BBC Two. And it was called The Cosmic Dawn. The Cosmic Dawn. And I was watching this program. I'm interested in things like this. I like to watch things and see what people are saying. But this particular documentary was talking about that someone 
in the world was trying to make a telescope that had 2,000 antennas. This telescope wasn't the type of thing that you stick up to the sky out of one of the observatories, but this was on land in the middle of Australia. was trying to make a telescope that had 2,000 antennas, and this telescope had the ability to look through all of the, the, the space to see light from the first stars when they died and to work out, they were trying to work out from these, this uh, experiment of where life began. They talked about it saying, we're trying to find this, this kind of the particle. Where did it all start? What pulls it all together? And this gentleman, he's driving down to these telescopes, uh, this, these antennas in the desert. This looked like serious bit of kit he got. And he was driving down, then he said, I've got 2,000 antennas, it stretches this size, he goes, but in the next few years, our plan is to make this 100 times bigger. He says, because we believe when we do this, and he was showing on this screen the pictures they were getting back from space, he was saying, when we do this, we believe we're going to discover the very start of the universe. How it all began, what holds it together, this missing piece. Then, one of the scientists comes on. And he says this, and I want to read to you what he says, because this is the kind of stuff that people are watching on TV. And this comes from people who are well-educated, some of the brainiest people in the world. He said this right at the end of the program to sum it up. He says, we are all curious where we came from. If you open up the first chapter of Genesis, now he refers to the Bible, the Old Testament, you find a version of this story. How the universe started and how we humans came to live in it. Some bits of this story said are right. Light came into existence from darkness. Life was created. But other parts of the story are wrong. Some things are out of context and mixed up. And there are some missing elements. If I had to give a grade, he said, to this early version of the story, I would give it a B plus. Then he said this. We are now in a special time. This is, this is the scientist. That allows us to explore these questions scientifically. We are able to peer deep into space and see those very early sources of light that tell us how we came into existence. And of course, with modern technology said, we're hoping to get the story much more accurate to the level of an A+. This gentleman had spent his life, it seemed, trying to discover what he believed that he could try and get further than what Genesis tells us. He was trying to discover. And he was, in a sense, they call it the God particle. Many refer to that. They, they even use the word God. They're saying, we want to kind of work out what is this missing piece. Spending their life to do this. Even separate to this. You will see at the moment, and there's an increased activity in this. You might see more of it on the news. But in Switzerland, um, on the border, I think, of Switzerland and France, there is a, a, a company or an organization called CERN, C-E-R-N. They're building at the moment uh, what's called a large hadron collider. Sounds pretty intense. This thing is 17 miles in diameter. And it will send around particles just short of the speed of light. And the, the, the plan is to make the particles collide. And when they do and they look at this inside of this big engine as it were. Or this big experiment that is now costing billions to do. Billions. 
to keep looking. And the plan is that they look at the particles that crash together. And from that, they believe they will discover how the earth began. What's the missing God particle, as they call it? Well, I want to tell you something today. People are looking for this mystery. They're spending billions of pounds. The kingdom of God says to you today, you have this knowledge. They can't see it. They're spending billions to discover it, but you have been given it freely. But they can't see this. Listen to me. I'd love to go and meet the guy who said that it's a B plus. The problem is when he looked at Genesis, the reason why he can't understand it in Genesis is because he hasn't looked at the New Testament. It doesn't give him all the answers because it is a simple story. But it is simple because Jesus is the one that holds all things together. You cannot see this if you look and skim across. But I'd love to meet this man and I'd love to read this to him. Colossians 1 verse 15 to 20. He says this, the son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. That's Jesus. And for him. He is. That's Jesus. Before all things. And listen. And in him all things hold together. I believe they need to read Colossians. They would save themselves so much money. They would save themselves so much money. But do you know why they can't accept it? It's because when you receive the treasure in the field, everything in the field becomes a little bit more interesting and you understand it. You have to accept by faith. You cannot accept through knowledge. And the problem is the world will spend billions of pounds and you can join the world if you want to. And you can pay the taxes on these things as they try to discover. But I look in Colossians and I say, God, I trust you because you were before. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. In him, all things are held together. Having such insight like this and holding that mystery, you have a duty to tell others. To share the mystery. It's the responsibility, we saw it in the church, to, re- to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. The church has this duty and it will shake the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Amen. Finally today, the third thing that I believe we get from the kingdom of God is that we need to recognize in insight when we see it and we really explore God, we recognize God's love. We recognize God's love. Listen to me. Those guys who were looking through these telescopes that they're about to make a hundred times bigger. And these guys that are looking in this large Hadron Collider. Sounds very super futuristic. These guys that are doing this. Let me tell you this. There's one thing that I find very odd about it all. That they never talk about 
They look at existence. They look at the beginning. They look at creation and how it could have evolved from a big bang and an accident. But listen to me. You cannot find love through a telescope. You cannot. Love cannot be seen through a scientific telescope. Do you know the very beginning and the fact that Jesus does hold all things together is because God is love. And the greatest expression of his love is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The greatest expression of his love, the creator of heaven and earth, is Jesus Christ. You cannot see love through a telescope. And love is the very purpose of why we're here. God so loved each and every one of you that he gave his son for you to reconcile you. In Ephesians 3 verse 17, Paul said, we read it earlier, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. This insight is not based on science, but love. When you know Jesus' love, you see a greater insight. An expression of love I put here is intentional, not accidental. An expression of love is intentional, not accidental. Big bangs and explosions that happen to just get you here today that I think is pretty crazy to believe that such intelligent people like yourself have landed here by accident over millions millions of years. I think is crazy. But the world will look at the crazy. Listen, I believe it's simple. Look to the truth. And it's in the Bible. Paul wants us to understand. He says, I want you to grasp this, Ephesus. God's love, if you've got the mystery, you've got the riches, but God's love, it will surpass your knowledge. Earthly knowledge is far bigger than you think. It's greater, it's deeper, and it's amazing. There's a song that was written back in the 1800s. Ralph will know this one. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Listen, I believe that song is amazing. People sing it today. But I believe the, the writer didn't even fully get the greatness of his love because an ocean, you can look at an ocean and it's vast. But it's far bigger than knowledge. It's far bigger than what you'll see with your eyes. Yes, we understand what he's saying, the writer. But listen, it's far bigger than the oceans. It's far bigger than anything you can ever contain. God loved us first. In 1 John 4 verse 9 it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We must never ever forget that God loves us. Amen. That's the reason why he rescued us. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. 
for further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.